These guys have seen them all. This is DJ and PK, Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio morning show. On 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is time to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us every week here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, folks. How are we doing? We're doing all right. Bowl game tonight. You ready? You worked up? Yeah, you excited? Absolutely. I love a little game day. Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> We were talking about uh, where we thought this game was going, and uh, we both expect BYU to win, but neither one of us is 100% sure. And I said, you know, it would not shock me if UCF came in and won this game 41-38. They can't stop people, but they can score points. You turn it over, you get behind, you're trying to get stops. It's hard to do. I could see how it'd get away. And PK laughed and said, I was thinking 41-37. I can't believe you just blurted out (laughs) 41-38. So you feeling forty one forty or forty two thirty eight? You got anything like that? You worried about a score? No, I, I do think I do think it's going to be a, a, you know, an absolute barn burner. Uh, you know, both teams can just absolutely light up the scoreboard. So I'm 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 excited because I know it's going to be a fun game. So I'm all for you know really whatever happens. Obviously, hope you know Brigham can pull out the win, but it is go going to be a fun one yeah especially as a receiver when you know there's an opportunity to catch passes as far as i look back to when you played in your final game up in idaho you got open and it was clear zach was going to you from a receiver standpoint is what's the mindset do you think that hey if i can get open early i could possibly have a big game here yeah, and I think I, I think that really all starts during practice. You can kind of tell um, the way things are going to go during the week uh, in terms of the game plan and things like that. You know, luckily, um, that's kind of the way it was looking throughout the week. And uh, I think kind of Thursday night, I had a conversation with my dad and just kind of said, "Hey, I think this might actually this might be the game we've been waiting for." So. It's something that you kind of just you you got a pretty good intuition on when when those types of things are going to happen. So, their top receiver is not going to play in this game. He has opted out. But also, you can look at their receiving stats and say, "Hey, these guys do spread the ball around. They got multiple options here." If you were a receiver, second, third, fourth, whatever, in terms of the club, and and the number one guy was out, is that? I guess you lose that connection between the quarterback and the star receiver, but at the same time, that's a lot of opportunity, and defensively they may not be sure where the guy's going with the ball. Yeah. No, 100%. But the thing about 
you know, a, a school like UCF that is throwing the ball as, you know, 90% of the time, right? They've got guys, <clears throat> they've got six, seven, eight receivers that are phenomenal athletes that, you know, are, are good at the position. Um, because you're not recruiting, you know, uh, as many running backs, you're not recruiting uh, as many other players in these different positions. You're focused on the receiver position because that's what you need for, you know, honestly, this kind of mimic run game uh, if you're going to throw screens and things like that. But ultimately, what you have is uh, you should have a very, very deep, deep set of receivers. And so it wouldn't, you know, don't be surprised that there's a guy that you haven't seen all season that goes for 100 plus yards. So it figures that UCF is going to score points, obviously, because their offense is very proficient. How much pressure do you think that puts on BYU's offense to make sure that they're doing their job? Because they're probably going to have to score, you would think, in the 30s, maybe even 40s to win the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, realistically, that's the only way that you're going to win is if you do score in the 30s. Even against Cincinnati, they put up, uh, and we talked about this last week, was the amount of points that Cincinnati had to put up to win. And that's, that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it a great game for the fans. Uh, but there is going to be a lot of pressure that they put points on the board and they do it early because it doesn't matter how great the defense is. It's very similar to Hawaii last year, right, where Hawaii was just able to put up points and they did it quickly. Uh, so if you don't stay on top of it from the offensive side of the ball, then you're going to find yourselves kind of trapped. The Cougars have only been held under 40 points three times this year, but when they were held under 40, uh, it was usually significant. 28 against San Diego State, 27 against UTSA, and 17 against Coastal Carolina. Is there anything that is going to slow down that offense in this game tonight? No. They don't have the – I mean, unless it's BYU themselves, but UCF doesn't have the ability uh, defensively I think defensively they're about as efficient as Houston was, where they do have some athletes, but they're not going to be able to contain. Um, and more importantly, I think what we saw with Coastal Carolina was the pressure, right? And they're not going to be able to they, – they can't bring the pressure uh, like Coastal Carolina did. So this quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, is from Hawaii. I think his father played in Hawaii. And so he speaks of growing up to hate BYU. You played for mm-hmm. both schools – What's the deal with the folks over there in the islands hating on our Cougars, Dylan? It is a, a the first time. So obviously, uh, when Nick Rolovich became the head coach uh, in 2016, uh, that's really kind of what he spoke about was you know kind of reviving uh, these feelings of hate for teams like Fresno State and BYU. And I was kind of like, okay, like, you know, obviously a little bit of a rivalry with BYU. As the years went on, and when we kind of, when we played BYU in 2017, I mean, it was like none other. Like, I didn't, I had zero idea that there was this hatred. It is, uh, it's, it's, a, to Hawaii, it is probably as big as the BYU-Utah rivalry. And, and the hate, right? the fan bases have um, it's a very personal personal subject to them it's wild 
So how did it get that way? Does it go back to the 90s when they had a bunch of games that were close and Hawaii had good teams, and when they lost, they had to hear from all the BYU fans? Because there's a lot of BYU fans in the islands. And so yeah, does it, exactly. Because Hawaii, the Hawaii football team is far and away the most popular team in the state. Uh, so they just get sick. I, I, we, not only do we get beat, now we got to listen to these people. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you look at right, obviously going back to the whack days, like like you're saying, right? You go back to the whack days um, where we had the, the kind of that in conference rivalry. But you also go back if you look at the biggest wins in, in Hawaii's history, they've all taken place when BYU has been undefeated, right? So uh, to to Hawaii, it's like we don't get the respect we deserve. And BYU, uh, we had that attitude of like, you know, well, yeah, you've gotten us a couple times, but in the long run it doesn't really matter because you're still irrelevant in that way, right? And so that type of disrespect does not sit well with Hawaii or Hawaii fans. <laughs> so do you think that this actually does provide motivation for this for this quarterback because this is going to be his one shot to play BYU? Yeah, like when he genuinely says, like he probably, and I don't know Dylan, uh, I worked out and trained with Mackenzie Milton and he didn't necessarily feel that way. He didn't have that type of tie, right, uh, to the University of Hawaii football team outside of growing up there. It wouldn't surprise me if Dylan Gabriel grew up and all he heard was stories about how much he hates, about how much his dad hates BYU. And so it very well could be, you know, a game that he's looking forward to and does want that piece of, uh, I guess, notoriety with his dad in terms of beating BYU. But, you know. He, he probably cares a little bit more than everybody else on UCF that doesn't really care about BYU. <laughs> All right, so uh, are there any, is there any uh, any other subplots to look for in this? Any guys, any of the young guys you're watching you expect to step up next year? Anything to uh, keep our eye on aside from the obvious score and competition? I mean, I one I would hope I hope Gunner gets. The opportunity to play tonight, uh, but that's you know obviously up in the air, and I don't think really we know if that's going to take place. Uh, the second is I hope and kind of Dax has a really really good chance at 150 yards. I wouldn't be surprised if they're kind of that's a part of the game plan in a way, right? Uh, to be able to get Dax the opportunity to take uh, Austin's record. Um, for single-season receiving yards, I think it would be fun to see. I think it would be fun to watch. Um, but that would be something that I would kind of I would watch out for. So I don't expect 11-1 and very often. We understand that. But how confident are you saying that BYU is building a program and now has gotten past the 4-9s and the 7-6s and, and can be competitive for the next however fill in the amount of years? Yeah, I, I, I am pretty dang confident in that. And really the only thing that can stop that is a coaching change. But I do believe that, one, Kalani wants to be there, uh, and Tom understands that uh, Kalani has you know, obviously shaped this entire program to be what it is in 2020. And that's the type of time that 
a coach needs, right, to put BYU in that position in today's day and age. No matter who he goes out and hires and puts in that position, it's going to take five, six, seven years to really get something rolling. So if I'm Tom and I'm Kalani, I know that right now today you kind of have the opportunity to turn the tide on what the next five, six, seven years looks like, uh, and you're going to do everything in your power to, to keep the people that are in place right now and, and go take that momentum. So I think a lot of people listening right now are nodding their head in agreement with you, but there's a part of them that wonders if some Power 5 team comes along and offers to double Kalani's salary, and he asks BYU, I got this offer, what do you want to do? What is BYU going to say? And a lot of people are flinching at the mere thought mm-hmm. of a conversation like that because they're afraid the answer will be, good luck, we'll miss you. Yeah. I think, I think if you're BYU – uh, you go to the media team and you make another one of the videos uh, asking for some donations and help, and uh, you kind of start putting together a plan for getting Kalani the money that obviously won't put him right, that, that won't run him out of town. Um, I think that he he does. He does have a passion for BYU and he would never truly want to leave BYU but there is going to need to be there's going to be a price to that and it's not going to be what you know obviously these top five power five coaches are are paying or, or making but there is going to be you know an increase in pay and I'd hope that someone does what they can to make that happen so we've heard that BYU does not pay top dollar, and it's almost, I believe, to the point of pride. You know, you're going to come here and you're going to work for other reasons. You're going to want to be here beyond strictly from salary. But, you know, you've played in multiple college programs. You have friends who've been in many programs. You've mm-hmm. talked about the Notre Dame quarterback is a friend of yours. From the BYU perspective, how much are they on par with what other programs are doing for the players? I would say probably, definitely not in the middle. I would put them in the upper tier. I think BYU does have the resources. I mean, especially in the last two years, there has been a huge growth, especially when it comes to, like, gear and things like that. Um and, and, you know, the way they travel uh, is pretty top-notch. Um, the resources they have in terms of the training facility, right, the weight room is pretty dang top-notch. I think because the conversation is typically about the locker room, right, the way the locker room looks, the last time it was renovated, everyone has this idea like, oh, BYU doesn't get treated that great. Um really that's the only thing right now that they aren't keeping up with, with how they take care of their players. I mean, the amount of gear that they get and and type of the way that Nike takes care of them is pretty, uh, is with any, any top SEC school in terms of gear, right? That's what a lot of people don't understand is you're getting at BYU. You're getting a lot of stuff. Uh, but 
I think the only thing that they're missing really is the locker room, and I hope that they do update that as soon as possible. All right, you want to make a bold prediction that we can ride in blood and hang on the wall? <laughs> that sounds tough. <laughs> that sounds tough. I think yeah, I'll go 35-28 BYU. Okay. I like it. All right, we'll write that one down. Everybody's taking BYU. We'll get Frank Dolce on here and see if he'll go the other way. Maybe that'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right, Dylan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, no worries. Right, see you D- later. Dylan Colley, former BYU and former UH receiver. And, and PK, it comes down to I, – I really wish – and you know how I am with numbers. I want, like, I want the mathematical equation. You know, what percentage – of the loathing and hatred and rivalry and all that stuff is because of what happens on the field and what percentage is because of the fan base. And I can tell you from rooting for San Diego State and having 10,000 BYU fans in the stadium when they're ripping your heart out and wrecking your season, it sucks. <laughs> and, it, and, and Hawaii, where they talk about Hawaii football all year round, and that is, I mean, they, people go to be, to Hawaii basketball and baseball. And I've been, my uncle, I was out there once, and my uncle and I went to Hawaii volleyball. And, and they probably had like 7,000 people in a 10,000-seat arena. I mean, it was a big crowd. But it's Hawaii football. It's they talk about it all the time. And to lose to BYU and have to listen to their fans, and then to beat BYU and get dismissed, like, yeah, you got the win, but you're still you. Seventy percent on the fans. Cougar fans making people hate the team. Not the local fans here, but uh, you know, in whatever city you're in. No, oh, I follow you. Well, yeah, particularly when you're not used to that uh, environment in your stadium to have a significant amount of fans, and there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that compares to following your team out on the road and having them win. A huge ball game. For some reason, it just seems like it's better. And, you know, I had an opportunity the year the Devils went to the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. I had just moved over to Los Angeles. And they go to the Coliseum, and I hated SC big time, <laughs> right? I mean, I worked with a ton of SC guys at the Daily Breeze. And, gosh, the ones who were not SC fans or who were not SC alumni, we all hated SC. Now, it was funny. We all we the editor of the uh, Orange County Register, not the sports editor, the top editor, did not go to SC. And he and I, when it was UC Los Angeles SC week, we became best buddies <laughs> because we wanted them to lose so bad. And to see the Devils win in the Coliseum, I can still remember. Now we're going back. What is that? Thirty plus years now. We're going back. I'm walking out of the stadium. And you're not going to believe this in the world that we live in, in the COVID, but I was hugging random people dressed in maroon and gold. <laughs> we did it. We, you didn't tackle anybody. You didn't block anybody. We did it. No. Oh, my gosh. Because you have 60,000, 70,000 people walking out in silence, and then there's these other folks on enemy territory, underscore enemy. It's not real enemy. It was sports enemy. And we were randomly hugging people, and they were hugging me because I had an issue, whatever I had on. I, obviously, I don't remember. But, yeah, and so to see that, so I know, and I've been on the road with BYU. I've been on the road with Utah. And to see that, you get really ticked. It's like, wait a second here, especially with BYU and Utah. 
in the Pac in the Pac twelve because man, you're you're in Utah. We're in California. We're supposed to be better than you. So I can only imagine what the deal is in Hawaii, uh, you know, around there, and it's a much smaller situation. And all BYU had all that success too, all those years. I'm interested to see how much of a deal it is for this quarterback because he does have these roots and he has it with his father. And it's like an, it's a it's a subplot, but for us, it's sort of an interesting subplot. I don't know for the rest of the Florida guys. In this no, case, obviously, care. the Central Florida guys. I think the fact that it's BYU, though, and they are nationally ranked, and people understand BYU football, even if you don't fully grasp it, you don't have to go back that far. They do, and I know it chafes Ute fans, but they do have a national rep. I mean, you could go anywhere in this country and say BYU football, and even though they haven't come close to matching it for many years, they still have an idea and then you get somebody like Taysom Hill and it's like oh yeah that connection Taysom Hill Steve Young Ty Emmer even though it's a long ways away back so easy to make that connection it's 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 natural and so I think that is going to fire up Central Florida BYU is it really does have its hand hands full tonight I don't think there's any doubt about that Brand names, they are, they are powerful things, and that brand doesn't go away. You know, Alabama football had been great um, when my dad was into it, and, you know, I, was, I didn't know what was going on. And they slipped just as I started following. They'd have a team here or there, and they were all right. But it's not like I remember Bear Bryant games. You know, my dad does. My grandfather certainly did. But that Bama name stayed strong for decades while they were – Sometimes it's flat-out mediocre. And sometimes they're pretty good. And then Saban comes back, and this, like, 40-, 50-year-old brand is just reinflated. And it's all that again, just like that, so quickly. And when you got a brand name, and I think that really irritates everybody else because it's like, well, you didn't earn it, you know? This is something from some previous decade that half of us don't even remember. Why, why do you get credit for that? And yet in college football, you do. You get credit, but I also think it's a burden because you look at Jim Harbaugh. I mean, what had Michigan done really a lot before he got there in recent times? But yet he's taken some a ton of heat because he hasn't gotten them back to where Bo Schembler got them. Now, they've been halfway decent. It's not like they've been in the toilet completely. Throw out this season because it's so bizarre. But, you know, they were at least halfway competitive, but yet he's trying to live up to the brand name even though his recent predecessors didn't really do it either but yet he's got the big name and it is michigan and you're trying to recapture that dj pk it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone frank dolce is coming up at nine o'clock remember the road home mediathon continues it's different this year we're not all in one building and and we don't have uh People come through and do all the interviews and all that, uh, but they still need your support. It's still cold out. There's still a huge homeless population. Uh, two to 3,000 people tonight are homeless. The road home had 833 people there Sunday night, and over 100 of them were kids. So they could definitely use your help. 
Uh, you can give them a ring and make a donation at 801-819-7300, 801-819-7300. You can donate online at theroadhome.org. And they've got an auction going, lots of stuff they're auctioning off. You can bid on things, including if you're looking for the one-of-a-kind Christmas gift for the person who has everything, you can get them a personalized Zoom Kurt Bester Christmas concert. You Zoom, Kurt Bester performs, everybody's pandemic-proof safe, and, uh, you know, that's not the kind of thing you can buy off shelf, buy online anywhere else, theroadhome.org if you want to get in on that auction. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's. You see? You see? This is DJ and PK. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru. On 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time for a little news here for Ute fans. We'll pause in this uh, all BYU all the time stuff, although we're about to go to Florida. Get an update from a guy who's soaking up the sun right now, hopefully, on behalf of all of us looking up at gray skies. Pac-12 South News PK, Arizona inching towards a football hire. You brought up the name Brennan last week. Brent Brennan is the San Jose State head coach. It's been a four-year project but in his fourth year at san jose state he's got them seven and oh mountain west conference champs after they beat boise state in vegas last week he's up for the job there are a couple of names out there apparently the president likes new england patriots quarterback coach jed fish and so he's a top target and so they're looking to wrap this up maybe in the next 24 if not that 48 hours it could happen pretty quickly also florida state offensive coordinator kenny dillingham who apparently is Running third, but not out of the question. Arizona, can they turn it around and be a legit contender? Because right now, if the media started voting on what was going to happen next season, uh, USC would be one, Arizona would be six, and then the other four, I don't, I don't know how they'd sort them out. There's tons of question marks. Start with Utah and you know four people competing for the quarterback job next year. Uh, UCLA perked up a little bit. Arizona State barely played enough to assess, and Colorado surprised everyone with how well they did. So I don't know what would happen in the middle of the division, but I think SC is kind of the default number one, and Arizona is definitely the default number six. So you heard anything? You got any more insight into this after uh, telling us that Brennan was going to be in the mix, which he clearly is here and, and might even be in the lead, might be the guy? Yeah, I think I got a little bit. Now it's from a distance, obviously. But the thing that's the stuff that I'm hearing, it is sort of like a Lavelle Edwards Kalani Sataki thing. And what I mean by that is obviously Lavelle Edwards was the ultimate legend with BYU football. He'll always be the ultimate legend. That'll literally never change. And the other two guys that came before Kalani, neither of them played for Lavelle Edwards, right? And or and they didn't have any connection to Lavelle Edwards, zero. And so when Kalani got the job, everyone was so excited. Now I'm speaking from the BYU football perspective when I say everyone. We got one of our own this time, right? We felt that. We're not one of their own, but we knew of it. 
and all of us, whether you're a Ute fan or an Aggie fan, you understood they got one of their own. And the fact that he's Polynesian, that excited the Polynesians. But even the non-Polynesians were so pumped up that they got one of their own. It's the same type of deal with Brennan because on a smaller scale, Dick Tomei is the legend at uh, Arizona football. Obviously, it's a smaller scale, but it's still the legend. And Brennan was on Tomei's staff. And now Tomei, in death, because he, he died a few years back, and I, did, I, uh, I, I believe Mark Harlan spoke at uh, his funeral, if I remember correctly. Uh, and Ron McBride obviously has a deep connection to him, so those guys know about him. So Tomei is viewed because he had a real good run there. They sort of ran him out at the end, uh, but now he's a legend. He's getting his due posthumously, and he got it certainly when he was alive too. And so Brendan has that connection, and it's like get a disciple of Tomei. That has become in vogue. You know, like the ballparks in baseball used to be out in the suburbs. Well, then it's become go back and put it in the city and build it around whatever you have, the warehouse down in left field in San Diego. You know what I mean? I that became like the thing to do. Baltimore, I think, started it. And then everybody's like, well, yeah, of course, that's what we need to Pittsburgh with the bridge in the background, right? Go back to your origins the way it used to be. Well, that's the way they're feeling with Arizona. So I think, and I don't know this, this is just from a distance, I think that it's the Brennan's job to lose at this point. All right. Well, we'll see if he goes there because this. I think what this really does for the uh, for the Utes and for everybody who cares about the Pac-12 is there. <laughs> it's great if a third of the league blows, as long as you're not in the third of the league, because what we see in the leagues that are powerhouses is they don't have to compete week in and week out. Ohio State overwhelms overwhelms the bottom half of the league. Oh, nobody I, does. Right. And in the, it's the same thing in the SEC. LSU and uh, Auburn and Alabama and Georgia and Florida. Yeah. I mean, the top five teams record against the bottom five teams, it's outstanding. It's totally lopsided. I mean, you don't want to call it a bye week because it's a conference game. But, hey, if, if, somebody's, if somebody's got a, uh, a hamstring issue or something and you're a little worried, that's the week you give them off and everybody knows it. Because you're going to beat that school. And the problem is in the Pac-12, do you really have that week off? Is there somebody who's that bad? And Colorado's kind of been that team most of the time. And maybe Arizona. Uh, and if Arizona it changes. Hires, right, it does. And if Arizona hires a good coach, there it goes changing. You're looking around like, well, where's the gimmies in this league? Well, that, that's what separates the league from a negative standpoint is they can't run through unscathed because somebody who isn't good record-wise in this league has skill players that can beat you. And we see it every, literally every year. This is not exaggeration. We see it literally every year. I've spoken about it many times, the two or three head scratchers that occur. And how and why do they occur? Because the other team has professional NFL caliber players scattered. They don't have enough of them, and then maybe they don't have them in the trenches as much, but they've got that team speed. You know, you look at Oregon the other night. All right, Verdell isn't playing. Great running back. So they put in Die and these other guys, and they're blazers. Man, they can just haul down the field and make plays. 
So you get somebody, you get somebody, a quarterback who's hot to a little bit of degree, and he's got skilled players around him. That's what this league has had, it has historically had, and it continues to have, which is why that it's going to be hard for these teams to go through undefeated. And I'm biased, and so I'm going to pump it up a little bit more maybe than it should be because I believe everyone has bias, and anybody who tells you I have no bias is full of crap. We've all got them. It's just whether we admit them or not. And I'm admitting that I'm a Pac-12, I have an affinity for the conference. But I've seen this stuff, and I believe it's true. Yeah, and I think that if Arizona makes the right hire, can they be a consistent winner? The, in the like uh, the likes that SC has been and and uh, Oregon now and has been for a few years probably not but can they be much better yeah absolutely because I've seen it I've seen them be a tough out and right now they're not they get the right guy in there and you've spoken about this so much and it's really resonated when you, you said this years ago yeah. that in college it really depends on the coach. He's got to get the talent. Now, the talent being the associates on his staff and then the, obviously the players, and Kyle's doing that very well. And Arizona hasn't done that very well. And there's nowhere to go but up. And I at least think that he can be competitive. Now, I hope very much that they're not. I hope they make the wrong hire. That a kid ASU guy. Rally and tell it. the truth at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I mean, it's anytime you can beat your rival by 63, that's good. DJ and PK coming up next. Where is Yach? Why is Eric checking in? Yach married well. And I think we will get to that when we talk to Yach next. And then Frank Dolce talking youths, putting a bow on the. Your home for Utah's best sports radio. With the hosts that have been with the Jazz, Utes, and Cougars for every step of the way. This is DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Ah, yes! DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Eric's producing for us, sitting in this week. Where in the world is Yach? He joins us now. Yach, where in the world are you? Well, I'm currently looking at palm trees, so hopefully that answers that question for you. Palm trees, PK. So am I. No, it's on my phone, but I'm looking at them. <laughs> I can I can say this is weird to be a guest on the show I've worked on for seven years, but hey, thanks for having me on, boys. Uh, so we want to find out right now exactly how much you worship your wife. Is she the nicest woman in the world? This is Christmas week in the middle of a uh-huh. pandemic, and she okays you gallivanting across the continent to go watch a BYU football game. She does. Yeah, she is. One, she is the best. That's for sure. She said you can go do it. Go cover the game for the station. Get get out of here and go on. So yeah, she is. She is absolutely a gem. Good answer, Yak. Good answer. Uh, you're there with your brother or your brother-in-law or who, who are you with? I got some family decided to come down, yeah, so I, I figured I would tag along, cover the game for the station, and see how the Cougars do over there at uh, FAU. It's Owl Stadium, I think is what they're calling it now. So you bring the clubs? You going to Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> I wish. That would have been fun. I, I, I did not bring the golf clubs this oh, time, sadly. Man. So you're going to sit in the stands or in the press box? 
Um, supposed to be sitting in the press box, but it sounds like with COVID restrictions, there's a chance maybe sitting in the stands, even though I'm at media because they're trying to expand out with just how many people can fit inside their press box, et cetera. So have you walked around? Are there BYU fans there? Because in a normal bowl environment, there are BYU fans all over the place. Yeah, there was a pretty healthy contingent of BYU fans on my flight down here. I've seen a few of them wandering around today as well. And I'm, they're supposed to have, I think, 6,000 fans in the stands. I'm expecting, relative to the amount of fans are allowing into the stadium, it should be a healthy BYU contingent. What are you going to do with your uh, $600 stimulus check? <laughs> Great question. Um, probably buy something nice for my wife to let to thank her for letting me come on this trip, I suppose. I don't know. That's good. Open and close by thanking the wife. Yak, you're playing this very well. You know, you're not a guy who's been married twenty five years. You're you're a young pup, yeah. but you are you're doing this very well. I'm five years in, so I'm I'm learning a few things along the way. So does she know that it's all Zoom calls and that we could cover the game by not going? Is she clear on that? Oh, she's aware. Yes, okay. I, I think right. she's fully aware. All right, Yak, <laughs> right, we got to run because, as you know, you set sure. up Frank Dolce for three minutes from now, and we're already late. But uh, is, okay. it, is it all sunshine and everything? We don't, we don't have gale force winds or anything, do we? Zach Wilson's no, going to throw the ball. Partly cloudy, blue sky should be in the mid-70s today, so it should be beautiful football weather for this yeah, game. I'd miss your flight back if I were you. you got to do this before Christmas. I, I may just have to. All right. All right, Yak. Thanks for checking in. We'll uh, Merry Christmas. We'll see you next week. Same to you, boys. Talk to you soon. All right, DJ and PK. Frank Dolce is coming up next. Put a bow on the youth season. Stay with us.